You're listening to This Naked Mind with Annie Grace. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to This Naked Mind podcast. And I'm here with Megan. Hi, Megan. How are you? Hi, Annie. I'm really well. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. So why don't you take us sort of back to the beginning in your relationship with alcohol? Where did it all start for you? Yes, right. Well, the actual beginning of my drinking, I was 18. That was my first drink. So kind of later than a lot of my friends and a lot of people in general. But I'll take you just a bit further back um, because anxiety has been a massive part of my journey. So when I was younger, probably around the age of six, we had a break-in at my house and then my brother was hit by a car and he was fine. Thank God he was, he was fine, but it was something that I really internalized and I hadn't thought about it until, you know, I started on this journey. And I think those two things happening really started an anxiety disorder for me, but really made me feel unsafe in the world. And that continued through my childhood, just in different ways. And no one knew this in my family. So I never talked to my mum about what happened. Um, my dad was there, but he was he was always at work. So he had a really big job, and but I was close to my mum, but it just never came up. And I don't know if that was the time or, you know, back in the 80s or 70s even at the time that we didn't talk about things that had happened. So I took it with me. And... I was really anxious as a kid, but I hid it. So I was always worried if my mum left the house, if when I got a bit older as a teenager and my parents went out, I was worried. It was always a, an underlying worry for me. I think looking back, I felt I had to protect everyone and, you know, save the world. So then at 17, I I was always quite outgoing. And at school, I really loved to get up in front of the class. We had what was called the daily notices. So this is when I was a teenager, 17. I loved to get up and read them. And then one day out of the blue, I stood up with my paper and it shook. And that was the beginning of a social anxiety for me. And it, I know it to some people, it doesn't sound a lot, but that changed everything in my life. Because from that day forward, I had to avoid at all costs any situation where I might shake. Mm. So, yeah, it was it was a lot to take on. And also, I didn't know what had happened. It, it literally hit me out of nowhere. And my mum was really great because obviously I'd go home and it did affect me because in our leaving year at school in Australia, year 12, um, it's called the HSC, we have exams. And one of them was an oral exam and I had to um, choose a poem, recite it to the class. And I practiced and I was really good. I was really good in the mirror, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And the avoidance around that and the crying at home and my mum couldn't help but know something was wrong. So she did the right thing and she got me a psychologist, but I just, I never got past that. And so that social phobia it was called at the time really followed me so at 18 when I had my first drink it was it was on a camping trip just after we'd finished school and I was with a bunch of friends and I'd my mum will still tell me that I'd always said I don't like alcohol I don't want to go to parties like when I was a younger teen I 
I knew my friends were drinking and I just didn't like it. And then this day when I was 18, someone said, do you want some Jim Beam? And I drank it a whole cup and drunk straight away, never had had alcohol. It was the first drink I ever had and it was the first binge drink. And to be honest, I only ever was a binge drinker after that. I never drank. I never drank normally. Um, every single drink I've had for my life has been on a binge. So when I had that drink, I realized, oh, my shaking stops. This is pretty exciting. I can do things that I couldn't do before. So that began a period of time just to, so school had finished. I didn't, I wasn't going to uni. I didn't want to put myself back in a classroom kind of situation. So I I was free and there was a lot of drinking, a lot of binging at that age. Um, all my friends were doing it. So obviously it was normal. Uh, it was, there was something that happened that I still, I still don't like to talk about because it was so, uh, it just, it's just, I can't believe it happened. So I, my family went overseas. I was at home, 18, had my friends over, all of us drinking. And someone said to me, take your dad's sports car out. He had a sports car. And so I did. And we were all drunk, two passengers, and we had a big crash. And thank God we were all okay. I can't even tell you how grateful I am to this day that we were all okay. Um, I, got arrested and my family were overseas and there were no mobile phones then they were in a camper van so the way they found out was coming back to the airport and my next door neighbor who was a lawyer met them at the airport and my mum burst out crying thought I died I I was so ashamed um that I put them through that and it was so frustrating because all my friends were in the same boat but it was me as usual doing the stupid thing and I even had a friend that took my car out during that same time and she was drunk and she didn't even have a license, but she, she got away with it. So it was, it was the first of many times when I was the one that just went that bit too far. That was a lot too far. Um, and I think after that, I didn't drink drive again, but it certainly didn't deter me from drinking. Um, so that was, you know, those were the early days. And then I got a job. And that's, and that was really hard because at this point I was not a daily drinker. You know, I was young. I certainly socialized a lot. And when I did, I drank, but I could have weeks off. It didn't, it wasn't a thing. So then I started working and I, I still had this social phobia, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't drink through it. So I had to go to work and do things that were incredibly hard and they're going to sound really minor, but I couldn't carry coffee to my boss because I'd shake. I worked at a TV station and I had to roll the auto cue for the newsreaders and I would shake. I did all these things, but it took all of my emotional energy. Um, it was, I hid it. I hid it from the world. And then Friday would come and I'd just get smashed because I'd been so traumatized almost. You know, it was traumatizing time in my life. So I managed to get through a couple of years working and it was, it was, I loved it. I loved working in TV, but every day I was in fight or flight because I was worried I'd have to do something that people would see my shaking. And weirdly enough to this day, people will still say to me, I didn't know you had that issue, but it changed everything for me. And then I took off overseas at 23 to, I think subconsciously to get away from the this fear, you know, this horrible fear. So I went traveling for two years with my cousin. There was a time I remember really well. We we weren't 
we didn't have a lot of money. So we went traveling around Europe for two months. And there was this time in Prague that we'd, um, we found some really cheap food and we were like a baked dinner for a pound or whatever it was at the time. We can do this. This is in our, within our budget. Now we still had managed to drink on and off because that was our priority. Uh, but this particular night, it was just going to be at a restaurant eating some really nice food that we hadn't had for a long time. And I still remember sitting around this big table and thinking, I can't pick the food up. I can't hold a knife and fork because I'll shake. And I did not eat. And my cousin never knew. I said, I feel sick. And all I wanted to do was eat. But getting that food to my mouth with really bad shaking, I, I couldn't do it. And I didn't have the option of having a drink. That didn't occur to me back then. Thankfully, if I'd thought of medicating back then, I might have been a day drinker at 20, you know what I mean, because that was the one thing that stopped the shaking. But there was no op option at this point. And even if I had decided that we could afford a drink, I couldn't have picked up the drink in that restaurant because everyone was around this big table and I felt all eyes were on me. So that's just an example of where this horrible anxiety stopped me living life, I guess. And and I I, I can still see the food. I wanted it so badly, but I didn't. I didn't eat it. Um, so towards the end of my time there, I did meet someone. I came home pregnant at 24 with my daughter, who's now 25. And I don't know if it was subconscious, but I think I wanted to come home with something, something to do, uh, something that I had purpose with. So having a baby, it stopped me drinking. I didn't need alcohol because back then it wasn't daily. I was happy, happily pregnant and not thinking of alcohol. Had my daughter for the first year, it was amazing. And then I started going out again. So not often, but every few weeks I'd go out and get smashed. That was the only way I knew how to do it. So it crept back up a bit and then I broke up with her dad and and that kind of gave me a, it enabled me then to just go out a lot. So my mum would have my daughter and I was out drinking just two or three times a week um, and that carried on until I met my husband and because of my anxiety, I can look back and see that I had to socialize with him drinking. So the first night he came over, I said, can you bring a bottle of wine? It, it just, I couldn't do anything without being drunk. So that was a lot of our time together at the beginning was he was working in the pubs. So he was a big drinker too. So it, it really just meant that I'd found another part of my life where I could keep drinking. It enabled me. And then I got pregnant with my second daughter and I was okay again to stop drinking. That was not a problem. There was one time during the pregnancy, though, that we had to go to my husband's work party and I feel like I had the biggest toddler tantrum. I was so angry at this FOMO. And, and it wasn't that I wanted to drink. I just didn't want to be in a social situation without drinking. So I ended up in front of, uh, and I don't know if anyone noticed, but I, I ended up walking out and just sitting outside for hours crying because he just didn't get it that I couldn't socialize without alcohol, but also everyone around me was drinking. And that was, that wasn't fair. You know, I'd, I'd chosen not to socialize while I was pregnant and that I look back and think that was a massive tantrum, but I didn't Obviously now I don't have FOMO, I have JOMO, you know, but back then I didn't have the tools to work that out. So that was um, 
that's something I remember to this day. And then I had my daughter and again, I was fine after that. I did probably when she was around one, it was all, you know, I'd stop breastfeeding and then be like, yes, I can go out again. And so back to the socializing with friends, just massive nights, maybe once a week, maybe more and maybe less sometimes just wasn't really, I mean, it was an issue in that I could not drink normally as they, you know, one or two drinks, never have done that in my life. I don't think I've ever had one or two drinks. And the time that the times that I have accidentally you know, you might be somewhere and there's just no way I can get more alcohol. They were horrible. And so very rare I put myself in that position. But I was definitely back to really socializing and drinking a lot. And during this whole time, I was also aware that there was, this wasn't great. You know, this, this is not how I wanted to live my life. So that was always in the back of my mind. And I did try different things over this time. I did some cognitive behavior therapy with a psychologist, which involved going to, my mum had a cafe at this point, sitting in the cafe with a friend and picking up a glass of water. Then the next time it was using a fork, really, really basic steps to get myself through this phobia. And, and I did succeed to a point because I didn't drink as much as I did later on. So, but then I'd go back to the binging might happened more often and my anxiety was back. So nothing ever stuck, but I was always looking for a way to help myself and to to get rid of this anxiety. But also I knew the way I was drinking was not, it wasn't okay. It I enabled it because of the people I hung around with though. So at that age, it was, it was pretty normal. When I went out, my friends were all drinking a lot too. So that kind of continued until I got pregnant with my son. Um, he's three years younger than her. So by this time, that was 14 years ago, I did actually during my pregnancy drink twice and I'm not, you know, that's that's a big thing because I had not done that before. Now it wasn't heaps. It was two social events where I had a couple of wines, probably three, and I, that wasn't me and I didn't like that. But I could see that my kids are spaced out. So over 10 years this has happened that my third pregnancy I'm thinking Mm, I am missing out and I want some. So I wasn't happy with that. I did beat myself up about that for a long time. Anyway, he was born and I I probably started drinking within six months and I was still breastfeeding, but I'd, I'd pump and dump or I'd pick the time when I had a bigger window and and it didn't start out as bad as it used to be because of him. I was more aware. But by the time he was one, things ramped up and and I remember one night I was or one day I was with my mother's group we had a mother's group that you could join and meet people the same with babies the same age so it was about it that the kids were a year old and one of the women very innocently said we're going out next week we should practice we all need to practice drinking at home and have a you know get back into this and little did she know that just turned a green light on in my head and I just thought I went home and got a bottle of wine I literally started practicing and that was the beginning of the end for me I remember having two glasses of wine that night and being really tipsy and and um then we went out as a group I got totally drunk probably more so than anyone there but still there were people drinking a lot some of these women so it still felt okay um, and then very slowly over the next eight years, I started to drink a bit more by myself. 
not every night at this point, but I was still going out socially quite often. So maybe I'd have two or three nights off and then I'd think, oh, I've still got that half a bottle of wine. And for, I don't know for how long I was able to put that half bottle back, but it wasn't too long before it was a whole bottle. And I can literally see it creeping up over those seven or eight years uh, till 2018 I was easily drinking two bottles of wine a night at home I was still going out at that point too but the thing that happened then was people started noticing how fast I was drinking I had a comment one night and someone said did, did you just finish that whole bottle we were at dinner and I thought oh no people are noticing that was the first so I I took it home as in I took my drinking home. I started drinking at home more. But in 2018, it was September. A friend and I decided this is too, we're both drinking too much. Let's stop. So we actually, I had a break for four and a half months in 2018. And I didn't have find this naked mind at that time. Um, what I did do was my friend and I kept each other going for probably about two weeks and then I found an online course for 90 days with an Australian woman I started that and then I went to AA because I had a family member who absolutely loved AA and it has actually helped them be sober for 16 years to this day so that's absolutely fantastic and at the time when I went I loved the community and I knew community was everything for me I did enjoy it. I had some really nice groups around here. I know that some people haven't had as good an experience that I did, but it wasn't hitting the nail on the head for me there. And now I know I wasn't looking at myself and my beliefs, my thoughts. So it did the, it, it helped me for those few months. And then one day in 2019, I went to my neighbors. It was a lovely warm afternoon. It was actually Valentine's day it was my wedding anniversary. I was having marriage issues and someone said, do you want a drink? And I had a bottle of wine. And then I went downhill until that was 2019 for two years. I went downhill. COVID happened. That just gave me permission to drink at home. And so it got really bad that I'd have two bottles of wine a night. Sometimes if there was beer in the fridge, I'd have more. I was now going through a marriage breakup. My anxiety was so bad at this point that I was shaking all the time. So I just, and because of COVID, you know, you could start drinking at midday. I never went earlier, uh, but that's because I stopped. I probably would have. So in October, 2021, or just before then, it was my birthday in September, I found this Naked Mind um, live alcohol experiment. I did have your book by this time and I was also starting to listen to audible books of other quick lit authors. So I was into that, but I hadn't stopped. So end of September, I'd signed up. I thought my kids were out the night before I started. I thought, right, I'm just going to get smashed by myself. And I had a bottle of vodka, fell over in the shower because you have a shower when you're drunk. I think I'd spilt something on me. So I had a shower and I fell over and broke my rib. So, yeah, and I had to keep that quiet from the family. So then for the next two weeks, this also coincided with a COVID vaccine that gave me bursitis in my shoulder. So I literally couldn't move 
but I had the alcohol experiment at that time. So I spent two weeks, the first two weeks of being unable to move, doing the alcohol experiment. Then I'd cook dinner for my kids, but I wasn't drinking. And I continued for the month, but I felt a bit better halfway through that month. Day one, I still remember of um, the first coach came on and I and her name was Emma and she was from Australia and something clicked. I don't know if it was the final piece of the puzzle and I said that is exactly what I want to be doing with my life. And for, I, I just think over my whole life, somewhere in my subconscious, I've wanted to work around alcohol, even though I was drinking. I, I had a family member who was very addicted to alcohol and I remember as a teenager thinking, that person's really lovely and sensitive and this is ruining their life. And I think that's where the seed was planted that alcohol, it was destroying people that I loved. And then, you know, I end up drinking, but I needed that to get where I am today. Um, so, yeah, when I saw Emma, I went, that's what I want to do. So at the end of that month, I signed up to do the coaching. I still had a couple of months after that October of data points. And then beginning of 2022, 2021 New Year's Eve was my last drink. So two years now and a few days. And I started the coaching, which changed my life. And um, I am here. That's that's my journey in a nutshell. Oh, I can't hear you. Wow, that's amazing. Just incredible. And um, and how has it been with your your anxiety and your shaking? Yes. So... As I said, I did some CBT around that over the years and during COVID, it just got so much worse because my drinking had got so much worse. And the the ironic thing was this shaking problem started before I'd ever had a drink, mm. but it ended because of the drink. And I knew that because when during the last few months of um, when I was drinking, I did go back to work. Uh, some of us were allowed because we work with at a school and I couldn't sit in the staff room and eat and I knew oh, I can't go back here I can't go back to having to hide again and so when I stopped I reckon it was three days and or four days and my shaking had stopped obviously there was a whole journey after that but it just showed me how much the alcohol had contributed to that problem, even though it didn't start with alcohol. So it was a mix for me of this disorder, but the alcohol, there was no way on this earth I was getting rid of that shaking while I was drinking. And I think about 90% of it went, and then I've done a lot of work around that. And to be here talking to you, I could not have done this. I couldn't have done this two years ago. So it's a full, it's a full circle because at 17, I think I wanted to be a speaker of some description. I've always wanted to work with people. And so to get to 50, I'm 50 as of September is like, oh, this is, this is where I'm meant to be. So it, and I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't have spoken on a even on a zoom I couldn't have done that two years ago so thanks thanks to you and uh your program well, that's just amazing how interesting and how interesting that alcohol was like some of the solution but then really ended up also being the cause you know because it was never fixing anything you know just creating more probably less belief that you could do it because you needed the alcohol right Absolutely. Wow. And how has it been for you socially? So in the end, the, you know, and this is alcohol for you, I really 
I had been drinking for the confidence to socialize. And then like so many people, it ends up isolating you, this alcohol. And you drink because you're lonely, but you, you're making yourself lonely by drinking. Mm. So I didn't, I ended up not socializing much at all. Since stopping, I've, I've really put in effort to connect with the people I want to be in my life. And we do a lot of walks and brunches and lunches and early dinners. And um, But I had my 50th in September last year, and it was the most fun I have ever had at a birthday. It was a festival, I called it. Um, I organized a karaoke night at a Chinese restaurant. It was with all my work friends. So when I turned 40, I had a karaoke night at my house, and I ended up falling over and cutting my head. You know, so fast forward 10 years, sober karaoke, the best night I think I've had ever. I, I'm always aware of just, well, I'm just curious who's drinking, who's not. Naturally, a lot of people have slowed down their drinking in my life. I mean, who'd have thought? Because I never knew anyone's habits when I was so drunk, but it was, there was a little bunch of people up the end that were rowdy and having a great time. And that was, and I could laugh at it and enjoy it. The rest of the people were like drinking just a couple. I'm like, how do you even do that? Um, but I got up and sang. I, I just did everything I would have done that I didn't believe I'd be able to before giving up. It was a worry of mine. I'll lose friends. I won't be able to socialize. So that has proved to be absolutely untrue. I, I, don't go out at night a lot. That's my preference. I do like to be at home and I've got the kids at home, but I find that when I go out, I'm still so energetic that I, I'm really exhausted the next day. So I pick and choose the events I do want to go to, but I can honestly say I haven't lost friends. There's a couple that we stopped. Our friendship has stopped. And because that's because we were drinking buddies and before I stopped, I'm like, I don't want to lose that. And then after stopping and looking at it and working on things, it was like, well, we don't have a lot in common. So that's naturally happened. But apart from that, I enjoy socializing. I enjoy my time on my own. And my friends have been very accepting. And I've found that a lot of them have questioned their own drinking and some of them are on a similar journey and then some of them just naturally reduce their drinking. So it's, it's turned out really, really well. And then of course I have all my new friends in this uh, journey and a lot from this naked mind, we've got an Australian bunch um, alcohol coaches, Australia, we all meet up. And so that's been amazing. The friends I've made who have been on a similar journey are the are just amazing friends, authentic friendships, we're very open and raw and honest. So it's been a blessing to meet so many amazing people. I love it. That's incredible. So cool. Well, Megan, this has just been awesome. Let me ask you sort of two final questions, which is first of all, where can people find you if they're curious about your coaching? Yeah. So I've got my website is glassfulfilled.com.au and the same on Instagram. And I have a podcast, which is called Not Drinking Today, which I do with another This Naked Mind coach who actually ended up living 10 minutes away from me. You know, we met on your course and she lives down the road. So that's been amazing. Um, yeah. So that's where you can find me. That's great. That's amazing. And then if you were going to go sort of back in time, maybe to um, Megan, who was like even unable to eat, 
or uh, a different time of just feeling maybe falling in the shower and you're going to tell these versions of yourself what your life is like now what would you say I think I think an underlying thing for all of my life has been not feeling safe so I think I would say that you are safe you're safe you don't have to take on everyone else's safety um you are safe you are absolutely worthy and enough as you are and life is gonna there's ups and downs but the journey we go on makes us who we are and it's gonna be okay I think that's it and and I think I drank so much and so fast to just get rid of that feeling that I had to be in control all the time so to be able to take that pressure off and just say you are safe yeah you don't have to be in control all the time that's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Well, Thank this you. has just been so great. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you, Annie. Thank you for everything that has you've done for me that's brought me here today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're ready to see how this naked mind can help you on your personal health and wellness journey and want to learn more, Go to thisnakedmindpodcast.com to learn what your next best step is. Again, that's thisnakedmindpodcast.com. We have all of our free resources, programs, social links, and more available for you there. Plus, if you have your own naked life story to share, you can submit it there as well. Until next week, stay curious.